Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch. It's sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis, five locations. STLMasses.com is the website. Go there, look for their directions, their menus. They're open, they're doing curbside, they're doing everything. So hopefully we'll get through COVID. 2021 will be a better year. And I'm uh, kind of winding down the year with uh, someone I really am excited to talk to. I say that all the time, but I mean it this time. I, I had to dig. I uh, was looking for this man to join me. And so I worked with uh, Tim Sabian, who used to be Howard's boss. And I was just told by this gentleman that I look like Tim Sabian. And I, I don't think I took it as a compliment. But Tom Chiasano is on the line. Tom. And by the way, I don't think Tim was actually ever Howard's boss. Well, who was really? Yeah. <laughs> pro, pro, program what do you program director even you know i i guess he i guess he i guess he was on paper i kind of guess but I, I don't think really um certainly not as serious well i'm oh for one but you were That's his right. you were his boss correct I mean, am i correct on, on paper on, yes on paper at one point it said that i was um and um i i think i worked as much for him as as i possibly could um you know for 20, 20 years. Yeah. Um, well, I, like I said, I appreciate you doing this because uh, I think I know a lot of people when I've started doing this series, they said, oh, man, where's Tom? I haven't heard from Tom. And then I, I hate to say it, some people, oh, no, Tom's not even alive. So <laughs> here he is. That's you. Uh, yeah, Tom is still very, fortunately, Tom is still very much alive. Uh, by the way, I'm impressed you actually have a sponsor for a podcast. That's very nice. I mean, I mean, listen, I've, you know, I've, I've made a living in a lot of ways selling ad space, so good for you. They have a lot of good meatballs, spaghetti, uh, pasta. You know, you, any, come to St. Louis, Tom, when you're not golfing and, uh, or when you are golfing, and we'll go to Masses after. And I don't know why you would come to St. Louis, though, because what, now you're living kind of in two different areas, right? Tell us about where, where, you're, where you're setting up shop these days and how you're, how you're living your life in retirement. Um, born and raised New Yorker. Um, born in the beautiful borough of Queens. Um, so, uh, my, my wife and I live in, uh, in uptown Manhattan. Um, and our family is here and, uh, and my son and his wife are in, and my granddaughter are in Brooklyn. And then, uh, when winter comes, uh, Florida beckons because, um, I do play a lot of golf and, um, and I don't hide from that fact I you know, I'm a, so yeah, New York, Florida is home. New York's home, Florida is uh, is is winter home. But New York is still both physically, emotionally, intellectually home. I, I hope this doesn't make you mad, but I challenge the viewers and listeners to have a drink every time you hear something that Howard would make fun of you for the way you say something because you just did one. You did because, which is awesome. I heard it and I thought, oh, it takes me back. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. I, listen, I, 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 I am who I am. You know, I speak the way I speak. Um, and, um, I, I don't, I make no, I make no apologies for it. I probably should have had a better speech coach, I guess, as I was growing up, um, or learned how to, uh, um, express myself better, but I'd be who I'd be. I would say if you weren't on the radio every day, people wouldn't even know that you say it like that. But the fact that there's a guy who runs the greatest radio show of all time playing it over and over again, then we understand that that's why you hear it. You probably never would hear it if you just had, didn't have to come into the studio and be chastised every day. Yeah, that was part of that was part of the – listen, there, there was a lot of really smart people in that show, obviously beginning with Howard, you know, who was the smartest and the best and the genius behind the show. Um, you know, and one of the hardest working people you'd ever meet in your life, um, you know, and the and the sound effects, you know, which Fred is a genius at um, are, you know, I mean, no, nobody, nobody does what Fred does. Nobody probably ever will do, you know, as well as Fred does, uh, you know, what he does. Um, and that played, you know, that helped create that wall of sound and then all those sound effects that just added to all the other great comedic elements of the show it really is he was a huge part and i th I, th I think what's great is that people do understand it like people realize how big a part fred is if i remember God, there was like a couple days fred wasn't there and sal had to run the board and it didn't it wasn't the same show i mean he's that important we're going to talk fred 
Yeah. Fred's really good. Really, really good. We're going to talk a lot about your days there and, and have some fun and look back at you beating up your suit and maybe writing some memos. Uh, but uh, I do want to talk about kind of what you're involved with now. Hopefully you're okay about talking about beating up your suit. I know we talked about Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm fine. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. So um, I, I, it, I don't mean to, to pull away the interview from you, but I, I know where we're going. So um, listen, I'm a, uh, I'm a 22-year um stage four melanoma survivor. Um, in 1998, you know, I had this diagnosis of an inoperable stage four tumor under my right arm, recurrent, um, and went through chemotherapy at Sloan Kettering with, I had two awesome doctors. Um, I'll give them both plugs. Uh, Dan Coit, um, who was my surgeon and Paul Chapman, my oncologist and the best nurses in the world who work at the, at Sloan Kettering. Um, they saved my life. I was, you know, stage four melanoma patients aren't supposed to be doing podcasts with people in St. Louis on, uh, on whatever today's date is in November of, uh, of 2020, the year of COVID-19, but here I am. Um, and when I, when I, when I left CBS, one of the first things I, I wanted to do was volunteer at Sloan Kettering. So I started doing that 12 years ago, um, kind of losing track of some of that time. Um, and then about five years ago or so, um, in large part, uh, because of a woman who was also a, a patient there, um, who helped get what's called the, the, uh, the hospital's PFAC. Um, they love acronyms at, uh, at hospitals and especially love them at Sloan Kettering. Um, it's the patient family advisor, Council for Quality. For quality. <laughs> I have it right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, you know, and um, and I've, I helped. I, I helped. I, it's it's not my committee. This woman named Kate Niehaus got it started, um, along with uh, Dr. Ken Sepkowitz, um, and you know, and I participated in it. I've been there from the beginning with it, um, and do lots of stuff uh, at the hospital. Um, none of it. Since COVID nineteen, unfortunately, everything that we do like this is remote. Um, but it used to be um, it was it's it's a great thing. We talk to patients, we sit on committee meetings, um, we give patients perspective at at, at Sloan Kettering, um, you know. And and I know the place all too well because I, I've got other family that's been there um, and that continues to be treated there. Some currently, so um, it's the best. For me, the best cancer hospital in the world. Um, it's always up there, either number one or number two. Um, and, and this committee, you know, helps in the process of trying to make it very patient centric and, and give us patients, um, or family, you know, caregivers, because it's not just patients that are involved in this committee. Um, it's people who have given care to loved ones who either have made it or, you know, or some who haven't. Um, and, uh, and the good news is that both those like me who survive um, and then some who's lost loved ones both feel the same way about this hospital, that it just does an incredible job with a very, with a horrible disease that takes all sorts of different forms and, um, and challenges people on a daily basis with our, with our lives. Um, and there's just no better place to be. And, no, and, and to me, um, it's, uh, I've got to, I have three priorities in life. Uh, my family, um, my wife, son, you know, granddaughter, daughter-in-law. Don't tell her I said that in that order, though, the daughter-in-law. Um, although I don't, I don't think she'd be shocked to hear that the, her, her daughter came before her. Um, you know, then I have, uh, you know, what I do as a volunteer. Um, and, and then... Golf. Yeah, I was waiting for golf. I was waiting for that. Yeah, there it is. It's 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 it's, it's you know it, it's kind of down the line. You know, it's third, but you know, I mean, it it's there. Um, but it um, you know, the first two are are clearly the most important things. And I could I could live without golf. I couldn't do it without my family, um, and I wouldn't want to do it without uh, participating at Sloan um, and all the great things that they do. Yeah, and so I'll be uh, open and honest with folks here. My dad had cancer, <clears throat> lung cancer in 2000, didn't make it, was was 
Diagnosed in February, and by December he was gone, and now my mom has lung cancer. Diagnosed in January, but uh, getting immunal treatment. So I was talking to Tom uh, before this interview a couple days ago, and I just said, yeah, you know, um, you know, it's just not, it's not easy, and, but she feels good. There's, there's this new treatment, and Tom said, let me know if, if you want me to talk to her because, I, I, you know, this is what I do. This is part of the volunteer. So Tom is a, a very nice man. He's going to be talking to my mom. I appreciate that so much, but that's basically what, you know, she doesn't go to Sloan Kettering, and, and you, you didn't have to say that you would do this. So that, that is such a cool thing that you told me that you would do that. I appreciate that, but that's pretty much what you do, right, for this, this uh, council. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the things we do is talking to patients, but you know, it's it's um, it's more almost more um, of sitting in on on these important committees that run the hospital and and giving them patient perspective, you know, so that because listen, we're the customer, right? <laughs> I mean, like it or not, if you think, you know, I mean, we are the patients are the hospital's customers, and the hospital is trying to to give the best care it possibly can and to be patient centric, to have um, relationship based care with its patients. And so it, it's, they take, they take it very seriously from the very highest at, at the very highest level at the hospital um, all the way down. And, and again, I've been lucky enough to, to survive the process, you know, and to be here talking to you, you know, 22 years later, because um, chemotherapy is not pretty. Um, the chemo that I went through was not pretty. I was in a, in a brand new protocol back then. I was like the 12th or 13th person to get it. And I am one of, if not the only survivor of this chemotherapy that I was given. Um, as I said, stage four melanoma patients aren't supposed to be around. Uh, and here I am and, um, and happy to participate at this great hospital and with these wonderful people. And they said, they're just, they're awesome. The, the nurses are, are spectacular. I, I, you know, it's one of the committees I'm on. Um, and, and I've seen it from my, from at my patient perspective, I've seen it from, um, being a patient advisor perspective, and I've seen it from being a caregiver, uh, cause I've been a caregiver and, and I'm currently, you know, a caregiver. Um, so it, it, it's just the best place. I mean, you know, it's a place you never want to be. Mm. I mean, if, if you told me, of, give me a list of places I don't want to be, that's probably would be the first on my list. I don't want to be at Sloan Kettering. Um, but if, if I'm in this area and, I got, and I've got cancer, that's the place I want to be. Because um, I, know, I, I, I know from my personal experience the level of care you're going to get. You know, and as I said, the, the relationship-based care and the individual attention that you're going to get from all of your doctors, all of your nurses, um, and everybody from the guards that walk in who were so pleasant. You know, I, I can't say enough good things about it um, because of what it's done for me and what it's done for, you know, for my family, my immediate family, uh, especially in recent times. Well, we'll definitely uh, touch on more of that as we get, as we go. But uh, uh, obviously, um, you know, your career is is intertwined with Howard Stern. And I was kind of just looking back, and in 1985, you show up at K Rock, and it wasn't K Rock then. You guys flipped the format, and then a few months later, Howard becomes the afternoon guy, and then then the fun begins. So, tell me a little bit about just that rise from from basically. 1985 to mid 90s at that point it was just howard in new york and and howard was a big deal in new york but he wasn't a big deal everywhere but then we get into the mid 90s and you start you know you go out to philadelphia you go out to la he starts getting affiliates you see this thing starting to get bigger and then they start putting cameras in this in the studio i'm, I'm just curious about that little 10-year window when you start realizing or do you realize we got something here this i mean you obviously knew that you you had a, a big deal because he was a big deal in new york but the fact that and maybe nationally this thing would work. And, and did you want that to even happen for him? Well, um, first, I, I, I mean, I had worked for the company for a few years before. Um, and uh, it was in Jacksonville, Florida. It was the first, the first radio station that I was ever the general manager at was in Jacksonville, Florida. Moved back to New York, as you said, in 85. It was KTU then. We flipped the format um, that summer. Um, uh, it was the first Live Aid. It was the day we flipped the format and became K-Rock. And then in November of, of 85, uh, we hired Howard. Um, it really, that, that final decision wasn't mine. 
uh, that was made above me by Mel Carmazin. Um, and, and, but, but it's one that despite Howard saying I didn't, I did, I totally endorsed it. Uh, I was all for it. You know, I had, uh, had had enough experience having been in Chicago, um, you know, as a sales manager to have seen the chance that the radio station I worked at to hire a named personality and they, we didn't do it. And it was a big mistake. And, uh, um, I wasn't totally familiar with Howard. I listened to him, um, you know, and certainly knew that there was unique talent there, but, um, I did, did, did we think we had the, the greatest performer in the history of radio, you know, in 1985? No. I mean, we knew he had something big and I knew he was special. Um, but obviously nobody knew how big he was going to get and how good he was going to, you know, how well he was going to grow. Um, you know, so, and because it was November and afternoons to January, I think it was, or February to mornings. Um, and, uh, and that's when, you know, that's really where he should have been from the beginning. You know, that, that was, the, it was and is still the most important day part in radio. Um, you know, that's when most people listen, at least I think so. I, I've kind of stopped paying attention since I left, but I don't think that that pattern has changed. And, um, yeah, he took off, <laughs> he took off really quickly. Um, you know, and, um, and, and the syndication was, like, I, I wasn't directly involved in the syndication other than just trying to make sure that as we, as the show got, got to other markets, um, you know, I wasn't making decisions on markets that was made again, made above me. Um, I'm not going to take credit for things that I don't deserve credit for. Um, I do deserve the credit for beating up my suit and doing some other things, but, uh, um, you know, putting him into Philadelphia and, and these other places where he wanted to go, you know, was, was, was not me. Um, and that was the combination of Howard, his agent and, and Mel, uh, uh, and, and obviously they had a very smart plan that they executed over time. Um, and it just kept making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And it added not only in those other markets, but it added to his juice in New York. And, um, and, and now, I mean, I mean, I, I'm still a fan. Um, I still, I listen on a regular basis. I, I was listening yesterday morning as I was driving up to play golf. And, and, um, the great thing about, uh, about him on Sirius is I get to hear stuff that I don't normally hear because I'm not in the car. You know, I'm not turning the radio on it when I'm, when I'm home, but if I'm in the car, I've got it on. I'm usually listening. And, um, and I got to hear him and Elton John, Elton John yesterday. Um, and it was great. You know, it filled the, the hour drive to my round of golf perfectly. Um, it was, a, it was genius. It really was. I mean, it was these two giants talking to each other in a, in a way that is, is unique because he is unique when it comes to that stuff. Nobody, nobody does better interviews. Um, so I don't know if I jumped ahead by 30 years there, but, uh, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a, it was a pretty quick transition from local morning man to, you know, to the biggest thing that hit radio. We'll get back to the interview with Tom Chiasano in a moment. Hope you're enjoying it. I enjoyed catching up with him. I uh, hadn't heard from him in a while. And a lot of people were wondering where is Tom Chiasano? Some more interviews like this. In 2021 on Here's the Pitch, along with the baseball stuff, all the things we do on Here's the Pitch. And what excites me the most is new sponsors. And we have a new one today. It's LinearElectronics.com. Linear with a Y. L-Y-N-E-A-R is how you spell linear. LinearElectronics.com. What do they do? Fitness, equipment, electronics, repairs. So if you have a piece of equipment that's been sitting there, not working for a while, and during COVID, you don't want to go out and spend all that money on a new piece of equipment, these folks let you ship your equipment to them. They'll fix it, and then they'll send it right back. So it's much, much more affordable for you. The Millers from Arlington, Tennessee said, quote, the experience was great and so smooth. We really appreciate all the help we received resolving our treadmill issue. Repairs start at $149 with free return shipping in the U.S. They'll work on Nordic Track, Precore, Life Fitness, and many more. Call them at 877-7-LINEAR. It's linearelectronics.com, linear with a Y, or you can just text repair to 954-466-3496. Check them out in my description as well. Really appreciate having linearelectronics.com be part of the podcast today. You can too. Just hit me up again on Twitter 
Look at my description and we'll do business together in 2021. Let's get back to the conversation with Tom. How, how soon, um, because I, I, so my timeline for Howard was the, the first I knew of him was the, uh, coming on David Letterman. Never saw anything else. I just saw those. Then the Channel 9 show got brought into St. Louis and was on very late at night. I'd record them and watch them in the morning and just laugh hysterically. And then, then the E show, of course, starts in 94. How soon do you become fodder for Howard? And did you realize that was going to be part of this gig that you would be coming in and having to tell him, Howard, no, you can't do that. And, and did you enjoy that? And why was it you? Why couldn't it have been like the program manager? Why did you have to become the guy that had to say no to everything? Usually, I always think of the general manager knowing the business a little bit. It's just the guy who makes sure that the money's coming in. But you became the, the dad of the show. Yeah, I, I was the hall monitor. I was, I was both. You know, I mean, uh, um, it, it became that it became me um, because when we there I, there's that word again now I'm, now I'm going to think about that every time I say it um, absolutely it it, 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 it was me um, because it was my responsibility general managers are responsible for the licenses of their radio stations and um, and I was I had a conversation with with my boss Mel you know when we got the first FCC complaint you know, um, which we were not guilty. Um, and we were never guilty. Um, and said, you know, what's the most important job? Well, most important job is protecting the license. Right. So, um, that's when I started having to come in in the morning and edit the show, you know, and I was already kind of involved anyway, because he liked, you know, he just liked to do that. He liked to drag everybody in. I, uh, and I mean, this as the ultimate, I couldn't mean that, you know, in, in, um, in any more complimentary way, because he finds humor in everything, you know, and he finds that, you know, it's his ability to, to, to take people and to make them in some ways more than they are, or to take advantage of whatever they are, you know, for their comedic content. Um, so whether, you know, I was the in quotes boss, um, you know, he, I was in the books, you know, with the picture of me in his books and stuff like that. Um, and he liked to call my wife sometimes and joke about, you know, your husband's so handsome, you know, I mean, I, uh, and, and, you know, put, try and put my wife in, in awkward positions um, <laughs> because that's what made him funny, you know, and who doesn't like the guy who pokes, you know, at his boss. Um, and, and I was just happened to be that guy in that spot. And um, yeah, I, you know, I was enough of ham, there's enough of me or enough of ham in me um, that I, I was fine with it. And I, I, I got it early on. I remember very, very early on at one of our, infinity broadcasting managers meetings presenting just that i said if i if you don't get the joke you can't you're not gonna be successful and i got the joke from the very beginning um so and i was i was i'm proud of that you know the, i figured it out I, I figured out how to go along with the joke um you know there were times that, that that he and i fought but for the most part we we got along um and i i always respected him i think he always respected me um uh, and, you know, so I'm proud of the 20-year the relationship that we had that I think was built on mutual respect. Uh, it certainly was on my part. I can't answer for him, but I, I think he'd say that. Um, and, um, and we figured it out. And I, and I was fine with it. You know, and I hated it at times. I, you know, I hated having to be the, the guy, you know, to, to tell him you can't do this or you can't do that and argue over, over words. Because when I became the censor, you know, I, I didn't want to be a censor. <laughs> But it was my job, you know, and I, I accepted the job. I, I got paid to do it and, um, and and therefore accepted that responsibility. You, and you mentioned something here just, and I was listening, and it made me think of the fact that, um, you know, when you'd come in, it, it clearly he was angry, but everyone always says, oh, he's different off the air. But it does become a great bit for the radio that, oh, here comes Tom. There was theme songs. Here comes Tom. Tom, this time to stop having fun. <laughs> All okay. these songs. So you, it became a bit, and he and he created a character for you, and so maybe that's what it was. I mean, what so it, as bad as we all think it was for for you and him having to deal with you, the fact that it was a bit just made it good radio, and that's all that really mattered to him. Yeah, and that's all that really mattered to me. At the end of the day, that's all that really mattered to me, and I, and I knew um, if he was if if if, if we were arguing. It probably wasn't about, it may have been about things that had related to, you know, a body part or a, or a body function or whatever, you know, but it wasn't dealing directly with it. And, you know, and those were the, those were the things where the people who, when they started to super focus on him, 
um, you know, and the religious right, you know, was going out of the way to try and drive him off the air. Uh, those are the things that they were focused on. And if we were arguing about whether um, 50 Cent, you know, or I should say properly whether 50 Cent um, could say bitch a hundred times, you know, in in five minutes or, you know, or whatever the other things would be, that at least it wasn't about those things that, you know, that we were being super focused on by people on the religious right. What did you think of that at the point of where you're now running the dump, dump button? I mean, you're the executive of the show and you're, you should be dealing with other stuff, but you really just sat there and had to listen, right? I mean, did you, did you ever think? Yeah, oh, yeah. Cause oh, no, no, I sat there, I sat there for, uh, for six plus years listening to every word um, and, um, and, and editing it when, you know, unfortunately when I thought I needed to. Um, How hard was that? How hard was it to, to know that this is going to create some drama later that he knows it? I didn't even think about it. I just did what I had to do. Okay. Honestly, I, I, I um, it, it, it was regrettable. I didn't want it, you know, but I was, I knew I had to do it. And the idea was I was going to do it for a very brief period of time until we found a person better suited to do it. Um, but we, we only did after I got sick. When I got sick in, uh, in 98, obviously I wasn't coming in and, and, you know, I was, I was out of work for 14 weeks. Um, you know, my life was on the line. So editing the show was no longer a priority. I was in a hospital, um, as sick as I possibly could be. And, um, so we found somebody. And then when I came back to work, which I did 14, whatever it was weeks later, um, that person stayed on that job and, uh, you know, and I'd, I'd go down and I'd aid and abet him if I needed to. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, uh, so I, I stopped doing it. You know, that the, what got me out of being the show's editor, um, stage four cancer. So maybe a light at the end, light at the end of the tunnel. Else, but that was what did it. You say light at the end of the tunnel, maybe there. Poor Andre, yeah, yeah. poor dead air Dave, though. Those guys just got. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did they? Are they? How are they doing? <laughs> I guess I'll ask you. The PSTSD. I, 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 Dave, I think that air is still on the air somewhere in New York. Um, and and Andre, I've you know I've kind of lost touch. When, when I honestly, when, when I left, um, I left. I, I you know I was uh, um, I had a nice long run. I was sixty years old about when I left. And, um, and I, I missed some of the people. Um, I missed the action when I left, you know, I, I was, I, I liked it. I really, I really did, you know, and, uh, I enjoyed my job and I especially enjoyed those 20 years. There's nothing better than those 20 years. Um, but when I left, I was, that was, I was done. Uh, you know, uh, do I listen to radio? Yep. You know, do I think about it sometimes as a professional? I'd like to think I was a professional, so I would think about it that way. Um, and I have contact with some of the people who uh, um, who I worked with and who worked for me. Um, but for the most part, I was done. You know, I was ready to, to uh, move on to whatever was next. And that, you know, and fortunately for me, that um, became volunteering at Sloan Kettering and, you know, and getting involved in trying to help other cancer patients when I was so lucky to, to be the survivor that I am. Yeah, and we're going to get to that again at the end here, but I have a few uh, people I want to ask you about. So, and these are key members, like Jackie. You had to deal with him every year. What was it like knowing in 2001 that he's saying no? I mean, tell me about that negotiation, because Jackie's been on here a few times, and he even relays that, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore, but I did call back twice to see if I could get back in there. What What were your thoughts when he finally decided not to stay? You, I mean, you and Howard had to, I mean, it, tell, just tell me about that. I mean, it, it's crazy because, it, you know, he called the, them the Beatles and he was the fourth member of the Beatles. Right. But it was hard, I felt like, when I listened because his, his he he was needed there and you did replace him. But that, that little span of time there in 2001, how hard was it? Um, well, it, it was uh, it was a regrettable decision on his part. Um, I liked Jackie and still you know, think kindly of Jackie. I have no idea how Jackie thinks of me. I haven't talked to him. Um, you know, I, but, um, I, I made, I, that was, uh, 
I was in, I was the one handling that negotiation. And, um, as I had in the past and he had, uh, you know, we had, had had tough negotiations be prior to that, you know, something, if I remember correctly, where he had, you know, he had walked for a little bit and we, you know, and Howard always wanted him back. Um, but in this one in particular, I had made sure that, you know, Howard and I had, had conversations about it. Uh, he knew exactly what I was doing. I had talked to my boss, who was Mel, and said, you know, this is, you know, and make sure that I had all the, the money in line and, you know, had approvals for the money that I was offering him and all those kinds of things. So um, we had a final meeting. Um, I put what was a very generous offer, uh, what I believe was a very generous offer to, to Jackie on the table. Um, guaranteed employment, you know, and I won't go into the, the specifics of it. Um, but it was a, it, it was, a, a, it should have been a life changer, um, for him given where he was and had, you know, and had been. And, um, and I, I actually remember some of my words in the meeting. I looked at him and said, Jackie, I should be the guy trying to, you know, down, to downplay you, to, to not take you, to not take this off because it's a, it's a lot, you know, I'm putting a lot on the table, but, um, Jackie had encouraged me when I came back from cancer to, you know, to, um, to kind of go on when we started going on the road trips to Vegas to, to, to make sure that I came and, you know, said, why wouldn't you take it? You know, why not come? And, um, so I, I, you know, I appreciated that and I appreciated, you know, the, the sense that I had of Jackie's caring about me at that point. And I tried to express that to him in this final meeting that we had. Um, and, um, I even said, you know, I mean, I'm trying to remember the guy's name from, uh, from MASH, um, who left. And uh, I used him as an analogy with the old TV show MASH, um, the, one of the main characters, you know, left the show. And I said, don't be that guy. Um, Stevenson, I think was his last name. Yeah. It was, was uh, Hawkeye and Jamie Farr, the only two people like radar, the two people. Yeah. Like- yeah. But it was, it was the, I think it was the, the first Colonel, um, you know, who was the boss of the MASH unit. And I said, don't be that guy. Um, you know, there's, this is, this is a serious offer. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. Um, and, uh, and we'd like you to stay, you know, obviously I wouldn't put this on the table if we don't want you to stay. And he decided at that point that it wasn't good enough for him. And everybody, you know, as I said, Howard knew and, uh, and, and the other, the other principals that needed to know knew. And, um, and when he tried to come back, after rejecting the proposal, it was decided. It wasn't my deci- It wasn't my end of the day decision. Um, but it was decided that you know what? Nope, time to move on. And it's I, I've, I've always felt bad about that. Um, and uh, if, if somehow this is reaching you, Jackie, I, I hope you understand that I really did. I, I really did want you to take that. Uh, I really did want you to be part of it. Um, but um, it was decided. You know, it was enough because what you know what was going to happen the next time we went around. I might work. And, and I might I work. I've been able to encourage him with strong. Find found the right words to make that offer stick with him to where he um, he would have taken it. I might work to get you two together. Maybe here on a nice Zoom call at the end of the year we can. A <laughs> uh, couple more. So Artie Lang comes in and changes the dy- dynamic of the show, but for maybe for the better. Uh, I always say there's two great eras for me. It's Jackie then the Artie era. Um, already, uh, you know, Howard leaves his microphone on. He didn't really have, it didn't seem like any issues with you during the show at, at, at uh, K-Rock. It seemed like he was pretty much uh, clean and feeling good, even though maybe he wasn't clean, but he was doing his job coming in, but all the... Yeah, of- I, don't, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think, I, I think in retrospect, he wasn't, obviously. Um, but in terms of dealing with him, that, I mean, he was a... And, and I, I, try, I tried... Um, I, I tried to communicate with Artie. I, I liked Artie a lot um, and um, tried to communicate with Artie, you know, in some of his troubled times and, and, and failed, you know, um, but he was, Artie was a great guy. He is a great guy. You know, um, the only thing I don't like about Artie is a big Yankee fan. I'm a Met fan, um, you know, but other than that, we got, I can't think of anything we really disagreed on. Um, and I, 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 uh, he was funny. He was quick. He was a big fan. Um, the, you know, when he first came on, it was at one level. Then after he proved himself the success there, his agent and I had a fairly easy negotiation over, you know, on, on uh, moving him up. Um, and, and, and I, but I always remember being in Vegas one year, 
um, for one of the, for those shows. And, um, and Artie was so smashed while we're doing these shows that I was actually sitting or hiding on the, on the stage side of the stage with my fingers through the back of his belt loop so that he was sitting next to Fred who had the control board, you know, that, I mean, Howard obviously always, always, and still runs his own board, I think. Um, and that every time Artie tried to get up, I would pull on his belt loop to not let him get up. So he couldn't tip over and, uh, you know, and probably fall into the, uh, uh in, into Fred's stuff. Um, but yeah, he was, Artie was great on the show. He was, he, he added, he added a different dynamic. Obviously he wasn't writing like, like, uh, um, like Jackie was writing, but you know, he was adding because he was a very spontaneous, funny guy who had a lot of great stories that just added to the show. Yeah. And I mean, you weren't there and it was a different time, but how do you, th- do you think you would have handled how he has ending happened? I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I can't second guess anybody on that. It was, you know, we are who we are, you know, we do what we do to ourselves. And, uh, um, and at the end of the day, we have to be responsible for that, you know, and to ourselves. So I, I'm sure the guys at the, the management team at Sirius, you know, did every, I'm sure they did everything they could to, you know, to, to keep that situation um, viable. And no contact with him lately? I know he's kind of no, coming back out of. No, no, no. no. Uh, I mean, I'd be happy to, um, but I tried and, um, and maybe he doesn't even know that I tried. I don't know. And maybe this message gets to him and, you know, we could argue about who's better, the Mets or the Yankees, now that we've got a, a viable owner of the Mets in New York. There's We're an, excited. Yeah, here's another. So we'll, we'll get that one. To see, Tom, it's going to be Brad, Tom, and Guest as our new as our new yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, welcome, congratulations, Tom. A couple more minutes. Okay. So, so when when Howard mentions that he's going to, to Sirius, it's on the air. Tell me about that day and just not knowing because I I think what I remember, Robin didn't even know. I mean, he kept this completely. No, no, no. no. I, I mean, as far as I knew, I certainly didn't know. Nobody knew, and um, you know, and, and it was. There was a panic moment, not a panic moment, uh, not a panic moment, but it certainly was a, a stress moment. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I became, that actually in some ways became um, almost, it was more, it was kind of more difficult to deal with um, than just being the editor of the show. Because now I wasn't the editor of the show anymore. You know, there were, there was, Dead or Dave was, uh, you know, was on the button at that point because Andre had left. And, uh, but it created a whole new, you know, I mean, what can he do? What can he say? Um, you know, he figured it out. He figured out how to, you know, how, how to make it, how to make it work. And I think we figured out how to, and, and I said we, um, I figured out how to kind of hold it together for, you know, for whatever the period, but, you know, it, how could he not go? Could you could you have gone? Could, and would you? How could he have not left? Yeah, but could you have gone? Had you did you ever think about going? Did was that ever a thought in your mind to continue on and, and maybe follow him there? Is that something you could have done? <clears throat> I I don't know. You'd have to. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, did I think about it? I, I had a. I had a. Uh, I, 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 I love, listen. I love the show. You know. I mean. I. I. I, I literally. I, I truly. I love Howard. There's, there's, uh, um, there are a few people, you know, um, that I respect more than, than him. I mean, uh, you know, uh, family, you know, but when, I mean, um, Mel Carmazin and, and he, in terms of professionalism, I can't think of any two more professional people that, uh, um, you know, and, and, to it that people should aspire to try and be like, um, professional, hardworking. Um, you know, hopefully I was some of that. And, um, so, but, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I'm not gonna, you know, could I, would I, I don't know. I, it didn't, I, I'm not, I wasn't, didn't go there. Um, I was quite happy to leave when I left CBS. Um, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe I would have been smarter to try and find another job at that point. Um, I decided not to. And, um, you know. Uh, well, it just felt like you guys were intertwined together that you might, you know, you've, I felt like. 20 years. You know, it, it, I, I was, uh, I, I don't know if he, uh, uh, if he makes 20 years, I'll be jealous because I wanted to be the only manager who worked with him for that length of time. 
Um, but uh, the good news is that he's had different people. I, 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 although I guess um, there's the, the one guy who I, um, whose name is going to escape me at the moment um, has been there the entire time and was influential in, in bringing Howard over. And I've, uh, but when it, when it came to radio manager, I, I was hoping that, uh, you know, I wasn't be able to say, well, I, I worked with him for 20 and nobody did it longer. Um, and I think he's getting ready to, like, he's fifth coming at the end of 15 now on Sirius. And I, you know, I, I'm waiting like I think everybody else is waiting to hear the new announcement unless it's been made and I just missed it, um, you know, and to see if he continues. If he does, I hope it's for three more years and not for five. We, so I can still say it for 20. Yeah. And, and our our conversation we had before this uh, just on the phone, you, you don't have any bitterness at all. I mean, you guys, it's it's really nice to hear. Uh, how much contact do you have with Howard? I mean, you, you, you've talked to him, you talk about him glowingly and you said that you guys still kind of have, how often do you get a chance to maybe email him, text him or any of that stuff? We, I mean, I've, you know, I'm a semi-regular, I mean, I try not to bug him, you know, I mean, when I got out of the, was I just getting out of the car on, uh, um, on Saturday morning, um, you know, and I had listened to the, to, or the Sunday morning now, I forget, I mean, so long ago, it was, it was 24, 48 hours ago, I forget whether it was Saturday or Sunday, the days run together. Um, you know, I, I sent him a little email, so I listened. I just listened to that interview. It was great. Thank you for making my write up, um, you know, very pleasant and going, you know, and, and full of, a, of listening to two giants at what they do. Um, do it. And so, yeah, as I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, I consider him a friend. Um, I think he considers me the same, but I, I can't answer for that part. I can only answer for my part. Do you have any favorite moments that come up when people ask you, what's your favorite moments of being on the show? Of course, beating up your suit, losing in golf to stuttering John. By the way, that's certainly not one of my favorite moments. Um, breaking my hand, punching a suit after a frustrating night of cards and then having it play it on the air. Um, it was fine, um, you know, and I, I, I you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't think about it. I didn't even really even intend to tell him that I had done it. Um, the person I felt worse for was my poor wife who came in after I had punched the door and she, you know, there were the suit, you know, and then the door and saw me and saw that, you know, and just said, not now, honey. Um, you know, my, my long-suffering wife that uh, I put her through that. I, I Listen, um I mean, is there like a, a moment on the show where you're like, well, that was I mean, fun? There's just, there's tw- I, you know, for the most part, it's, uh, you know, um, it was 20 years of, um, uh, of a wonderful time, you know, stressful at times, you know, I mean, professionally very active, um, you know, I mean, being part of that and being associated with the show got me out of some speeding tickets, um, you know. Um, you know, he created like he does for everybody or a lot of people, you know, I mean, you know, he made me a minor personality and, you know, in a, in a bigger world. Um, and, and that was fun, you know, and, and, and still happens. I still, you know, I'm I, like, I mean, wh- why would you want to talk to me 20 years later? Um, because some of that still resonates, you know, and, um, and, and I like that, you know, as I said, I'm a, I'm a big enough ham, you know, and, and, um, that, uh, I, I didn't shy away from that, you know, when I was doing it professionally, um, you know, there's some benefits to it and, and still, and there's, and there's people who still say, are you? And I go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, and I don't hide from it. I'm proud of it. Well, you're handsome at 74. I got to say, you still got it. 73. Don't age me prematurely. Okay. My mom's 74 Se- years a <laughs> lot of golf um how what are you shooting these days i'm not really good at handicaps but are you in the 70s or are you still in the 80s what are you, what are you shooting these days oh no i'm i you know what i i, I if if this comes across as boastful and then i apologize for it um but I, i'm better than probably three-year-olds out there um, I shoot my age on a semi-regular basis and beat it. Um, and, um, I'm actually almost better now than I've ever been. And I'm always competitive, you know, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a competitive pain in the ass, but, uh, um, then you can tell the people, the people who play golf with me will tell you that. Um, so yeah, I'm some, I'm, I, I try and take care of myself. You know, like I said, I'm going to the gym when you and I hang up. Um, 
And I, I, I play a lot. I'm not embarrassed by it. I, I like doing it, and I'm, and I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, I, I'd like to get into the 90s myself, but uh, we may be neighbors um, one day in the winter. I want to get in the 90s too, but that's, uh, that means I want to live to be 90 so I can shoot 90. Well, and when Stuttering John beat you on that one hole, that has to still resonate. That, right? the low, that was probably the low point. <laughs> that, was the, that was the low point. But you could tell point. the anger. You could tell the anger was there for real. Oh, I was, you know, I was, I was pissed. Uh, you know, I mean, um, but, but, you know, it, it happened. It was, you know, it became part of the legend of the show, I guess. Not the, you know, I mean, not the legend of the show, but it just became, you know, one of those things that was part of the show that, uh, that added to it. And, um, so, but no, I, I, that's, that was, Probably the low point of my golf career, the low point of my professional career, um, was losing to, to golf, losing at golf to Stuttering John that night. But then you could just have a nice, fun contract negotiation where you don't offer him anything, right? And that made him mad, and then you kick him out of the... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I think John's doing well. I hope he is, you know. Um I, I know he's got a nice family, and, uh, and I hope he's doing well. But I, I don't, I don't know where he is now. Well, I hope to my that at seventy three and a half, I get to look as good and have the life that you have um, because you're golfing, and it seems like you're healthy. Uh, you recovered from melanoma, and you're you're doing some great stuff at Sloan Kettering. And we started talking about them, but I just I'm curious, just. Um, um, you know, it's to me, like once I retire, which I think about now every day, I try to think about it and hopefully in 10 years, I'll be able to do something and, and what I would do after it. Um, I think this would be something I'd be interested in because like I said, both my parents had it, uh, fam, other family members, my uncle Phil, I mean, it just, it's never, we hope that there's someday going to be a cure, but just again, the uh, patient and family advisory council for quality at Sloan Kettering is what you're doing. And, and how rewarding is it? I mean, I mean, is it, is it exactly what you thought it would be once you started volunteering there? And, and if there's anything else that we may have missed in our kind of early talk about it, um, it just seems like such a great thing. And the fact that, like I said, you're going to talk to my mom is so awesome. Um, tell me anything else that we may have missed in our, in our earlier chat about the P. I don't, I don't think we, I'm oh, sorry. I mean, I, mean to I wanted to do the uh, acronym, the P F A C Q. Right. PFAC. Okay. Um, it, it's a, you know, again, it's a group of highly motivated uh, either patients or family givers or, or, or caregivers um, that interact with uh, some of the highest levels and the highest levels at the, at the hospital, uh, participating in committees, um, participating with patients, you know, and other caregivers to try and, to, to try and help them as they go through their journey. Um, and everybody's journey is different when it comes to cancer. You know, it's the one journey you don't want to be on, but when, once you're on it, the more help you get, I think the better off you are. Um, and, um, you know, the, the hospital takes, as I said, uh, I hate to be redundant and I'm not going to say the, the B word, um, <laughs> because, um, they, they take patient care seriously uh, they take patient relationship-based care seriously. Um, they, they're, they're the best doctors, the best nurses, um, the best at everything that they do. And, uh, and they try and do better and better and improve it um, by being sensitive to what patients think, feel, need as we go through the journey. Um, and, and this council helps give input at all levels in the hospital to, to improve the hospital's efforts to do that. I mean, it's just amazing stuff you're doing. So, again, uh, I, I can't say enough. That's, that's great that you're doing that and helping my mom. And hopefully uh, she'll get through it and be golfing as well. She doesn't golf. Yep. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't yep. golf. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's, you know, that's the goal. Um, the goal is to, to get everybody through it. To, uh, to come out better on the other side. Um, you know, it clearly changes your perspective on life. It changed mine. Um, although in some ways, you know, I, and when I went back to work, I think I was the same, you know, miserable SOB that I was before, but I, I know, I know I really wasn't. Um, but, um, you know, it's, 
I, I love doing it. I, I really do. And, uh, and I love the fact that the hospital is so committed to allowing us to participate, you know, and, and to have input and to, um, to aid these brilliant doctors and nurses as, as, as they do what they do, um, which is the highest level of professional care that you could get. Well, I, again, thank you for joining me today. I know a lot of people are going to be excited to hear from you. They love that voice. They love hearing kind of the mannerisms that you have to say, you know, because and absolutely. And in the back of their head, hopefully they hear some Fred music. Here comes Tom. Time to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, the, or the golf swing. Um, you know, I, I, listen, I had, a, a, you know, to close on that part, I had a wonderful 20 years um, that I, I you know, I, I'm so glad I had that opportunity to work with everybody, you know, um, can't forget Gary, certainly can't forget Robin, um, can't forget Fred, you know, but the ultimate tip of the hat is, you know, uh, is to Howard, who's the genius behind everything that happens in that show and the, and the true driver of everything that has made that the Howard Stern show, what it has become, um, which is the biggest thing in the history of radio. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll try and quote Shakespeare. Um, I think I played my part well. I hope I did, um, but I'm really glad I had the opportunity to play it and um, and then to contribute in whatever way I did, you know, and to take advantage of what in whatever way I did of of what that show was all about and and, and how proud I am of my association with it, him, and everybody else. That's what was that was part it was and is part of that show. Yeah, and I, again, I, you're you were a major foil, and and you were needed, and but you did it so well. And what I realized again today was that eh, he was in on the bit, which is even better because that that makes that makes you a fun boss. Everybody wants a fun boss. And I think that's what. Yeah, you Yeah, I mean, in on it, I would say, I would say I got it. You know, in on it, I didn't know it was going to happen when it was happening. You know, it was all spontaneous, it was never scripted. Um, but I, I I think I think I got it. You know. Well, the next time we chat, it'll be me and Tom and Jackie, and we'll have a contract negotiation right here over Zoom, so uh, this will be fun. I thank uh, Tom so much, and uh, I thank you for watching. Again, Masses is the title sponsor. It's Masses Restaurant St. Louis, five locations. STLMasses.com is the website. Go there, find directions. If you're driving through St. Louis, if you watch these on YouTube, hopefully you'll stop in, you'll find them, and they'll be very happy to hear that uh, you came in. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. We, got, we, got, we didn't talk about the Mets. Oh, my God. Next time. <laughs> See you, Tom. Goodbye.